Hello, this is Pastor Jay. I'm excited to invite you to come over to listen to our broadcast on YouTube. Yes, Walk in True Christian Fellowship Church on YouTube. We have some great videos over there and you'll be able to listen to all the lessons and the podcast. So again, subscribe, like, and continue to comment and listen. This is Pastor Jay. Talk to you later. Peace. God bless you and welcome to Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church broadcast. We appreciate and welcome all of you, our listeners around the world. Stay tuned to hear an exciting word from pastor teacher, Dr. James Sutton. Think about where we are in Romans. We're in the sanctification process, the process that begins at salvation and continues on to glory. Continues on to the point that we participate in our sanctification process and in our sanctification process, uh, we're going to be in Romans chapter 7 first. Uh, in our sanctification process is where we have our experiences with God. It's where you live out your life. Once you get saved, you're a new creature now. Old things pass away and all things become new. And that's the newness of your life in Christ Jesus. You might be living in the same old world, going to the same old job, dealing with the same old people. But your perspective now is God's trying to get you out of self and into him. Looking at things the way he does and not looking at things the way the world does. The, the, the issue with the saint is that war that goes on inside of you is your old man versus your new man. And your new man has to be fed. Amen. Your new man doesn't grow just because it's there. It grows because you consciously decide that, you know what, I'm going to step back from what the world say. I'm going to see what God say about this. See, when I heard the tragedy of Kobe, there's my world side of you. And then there's, okay, let me say what God said. And God said, man is appointed once to die. And then there's a judgment. God says he has no respect or person. God says that absent from the body, present with the Lord. I hope that Kobe will save because now he's present with the Lord. But if he wasn't, it doesn't make a difference how many rings he got, how much millions he had. He's in hell. Way to be resurrected, to go to hell for eternity and be thrown in the lake of fire, which the lake of fire was not meant for humankind, but for demons. And I told him last night, it's not about hell. God doesn't send you to hell. God doesn't purpose you to hell. What you do is decide not to receive his love. You, you make a conscious decision. I don't want your love. I don't want your grace. Even though you received it because you're still breathing. But you made a choice and say, God, I don't want you. I don't want you. I don't want you. I want a God made after myself. Like in Romans, we've learned so far. Man makes gods after himself. We call them idols. And the problem with the Jewish race from, from the time he made them Jews and with Abraham to the time he quit talking to them in Malachi he saw that man worshiped the creation more than the creators. You made gods out of calves. You made gods out of birds. You made gods out of men. You made gods other than the true and living God that delivered Israel every time. But as soon as man, and I'm talking about mankind right now, as soon as mankind gets comfortable, he always forgets about the God that saved him. And then when a generation passes, that's a generation that knows peace and knows no war. That generation generally is the generation that leaves God. 
but God has always sent a man. Now, I ain't talking about mankind. I'm talking about a man that will come try to redeem the nation through his word. And then other men would follow that man. And then those men would have their women follow them. And the nation would go forward and be saved at the period of time. But as soon as they get saved to the next generation later, they back to worship and idols. Because what they do is they keep going back to what is dead. And that's what we learn in Romans. You keep going back to that husband. And I mean this spiritually. The husband of sin that is dead. You think that now that you saved and sanctified, you go back up and dig them bones up and mess with them a little bit. I'm, 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 I got the Holy Ghost now. I can go dig up them bones and I can make them bones into what I want. Because I got the power now to deal with sin. No, you don't. You keep digging up what's dead. The Bible told us in Romans chapter 7 that that husband, a, hus a wife is only, only uh, uh, obligated to the husband as long as the husband lives. And he used that as comparison to sin. At one time, you were obligated to sin. You was born in sin, shaped in iniquity. That's all you knew. But once Jesus came, you said, Christ, sin has been dealt with by Jesus. Amen. You don't have to let sin reign in your mortal body. Amen. You don't have to let sin reign in your mortal body anymore. But we still do because we make choices. Either to do things as God do or do things as the world does. But we make a choice. And God gives us an avenue called repentance once we figure out we made the wrong choice to come back. <laughs> Repentance is our avenue back mm -hmm. into right alignment. Mm -hmm. We never lose fellowship. We just get out of line. That's why you get whooped. See, I thought about that when people say you lose fellowship. You, no, you don't. You lose, you're out of line. You're, you're, you're wrong. You, you, you deserve to be chastised. When, when your parents whooped you, you went out of fellowship with them. You're just as out of line. They, they say, don't get out of line now. And they whoop you back in the line. That's right. Okay? But we have to understand this is some serious stuff. And, and I don't know who, who says this, but I'm, I'm trying to teach y'all over time. There's some vocabularies that you need to remove from your mouth. Because what it does, we've been talking about a couple of them in here. We talked about uh, what St. Frieda brought to me. And we talked about last week, but I'm going to keep saying this. There's some things you just don't need to say no more. You need to leave it alone. Because what you do is expose yourself to the fact you want to continue to sin. Yeah. Okay? What, freedom, what was one you gave him? Oh, God ain't done with me yet. You, why do you say God ain't done with you yet? Because you sin. And you want to continue to sin. So what you say is, this is the excuse why I'm going to continue to sin because God ain't done with me yet. I don't have time to do what I want to do. God ain't done with me yet. Get that out of your vocabulary. That's a fact. But God didn't put that fact for you to use it to continue to sin. Because right. we learn, shall you continue in sin that grace should abound? No. no. God forbid. God forbid. Don't take that grace of him working on you, yeah, work which is an act of grace. Yeah. You, him sanctifying you as your opportunity to say, I got more time. I can still sin. Leave me alone right now. Because when you tell somebody that, you tell them to leave you alone let you do what you do. So is that an excuse? That's an excuse. And the Bible says in Romans, man, what? You without excuse. I'm still growing. Yeah, all those things that keep you in sin. And then there's a, my favorite one. What do y'all think my favorite one is? Your work in progress. No, that's just like what she said. What, what's my favorite one? There you go. God knows my heart. Use a lie. That's right. Yeah, that 
You know why you a liar? Because you made it last year if you got a good heart. You a liar. God said a man's heart is deceitful and desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can know it? That's what God said about your heart. So why do you keep talking about he know it? You just proved that he know it by saying that because when you say that, you sin. Because why do you say that? Somebody must have confronted you as with something that you shouldn't be doing and you jumped on up. I work in progress. God knows my heart. And he gave a verdict on the man's heart. What did he say? He gave a verdict on the man's heart. What did he say? Okay, then. So what he says about your heart, you don't claim it to continue to sin. You claim it to you claim it as if your heart is good. The Bible says your heart, he says he doesn't look at, see, he doesn't look at your performance as men because men can do anything that looks good. He says, see, you got to read it like a myth. He looks at the heart. He gave a verdict on the heart. The heart is deceitful, that's the wicked who can know it. He says, until I give you a heart of my flesh. His heart. His heart. So once you accept him, hold up. You're a work in progress. You ain't done yet. You ain't done yet. You want to claim done before you're done, and that's how you end up keep sinning. Once you accept him, you begin your sanctification process that we talked about. You're being conformed into his image. You know how ain't done yet. But then you don't use the work in progress when you do good. Hold on, hold on. Jack, you're missing my point. My point is, when people say, I'm a work in progress, it's normally when they're confronted with their sin. You don't, we don't get the nursing home and say, we're in a work in progress. There's no reason to say that. You only say that to defend your sin. And you can use God's word to defend your sin. We don't go around saying, oh, we're going to get the nursing home because God knows my heart. There's no reason to say that because what you're doing is godly and, you, and God knows what you're doing. So you don't have to, so to say anything. But when you make these proclamations, it's normally when you're confronted. I'm over here drinking at the bar. I'm over here getting full. Y'all walk in and, and y'all say, Pastor! And I say, I'm a work in progress. God know my heart. No, you know, I'm just thinking of a friend of mine. And that's, I think I've talked to you about her before. And she says, well, I've been saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. So she's going to continue to do it. Now, she would say something like that. Yeah, and, she, and she's, okay, and she's now, a liar. Me and maybe somebody else on the other hand who feels like God is still working on them, I can say, hey, I'm a work in progress, but I'm not going out here and, you know, running the streets and doing this and doing that. I ain't perfect. Okay, okay, give me some. Okay, okay, think about this. Instead of saying I'm a work in progress, say I'm a work in progress and thank you for telling me I need to stop what I'm doing. See, what you said, you you, you prove my point. You said she's full of the Holy Ghost and all that, and she's going to keep on doing what she's doing. Okay. Duh. No, but I'm saying that's what that's a person who would say that. And she would mean that. Okay, but you okay. but we don't say if, if I confront you with your sin, you can say I'm a work in progress. If your next statement is, thank you, I'm gonna repent and go the way God wants me to go. I want you to confront me with my sin. I want you to tell me that I'm sinning. But I haven't heard a person yet say, Oh, you're right, I shouldn't be doing that. Thank you. Or stop what you were doing. 
What they normally do, their normal response with folk that call themselves Christians is this. Is that when you confront them with their sin, they run to those, they run to that two statements to, is to say, I'm going to still do what I want to do. Well, do what you want to do, but it's not what God wants you to do. Only time that you should be thinking about that is if you're doing what lines up with the word of God. Our problem is we still do, all of us, including me, things that are outside his word, but that's the part of the sanctification process. Remember, the sin volume goes down. The godly volume goes up. So now when I'm confronted with something, if, if you thought I was doing something, instead of doing it in a defensive posture, I do it from a thanksgiving posture. So you're saying anytime somebody says that statement, they're sinning? 9% of the time because what you're doing is confronting them. I haven't heard anybody say I'm working progress and they're doing it right. It's normally when, hmm, what you doing? Oh, I'm working progress. That's defensive. I need more. God gonna get me there. He ain't got me there yet. Excuses, okay, to continue to sin. But Romans said that's why I said y'all better go back and read this stuff. Romans says, "Man, you without excuse." That's the Bible say. I didn't say that. Why do you say that? Because man makes excuses. Man makes excuses all the time to continue to sin. That's in our nature. That's how we are born. We got to hold on. We got excuse for anything. Yeah. So now we'll be able to not hopefully, hopefully not use it in a way that's defensive. Use it as an offensive thing. Use it as an offensive thing. If y'all, again, y'all have free reign. If you see me out doing something that you think, you don't even know yet, that you think, assume that I'm doing wrong. Y'all are my sisters and brothers first and foremost before I'm y'all pastor. Y'all better come say something to me. Who is this? <laughs> Who is that? Is that your cousin? Is that your cousin, your sister? Who is this? Y'all look like y'all having lunch a little bit too, too intimate. Oh, this is so-and-so and so-and-so. The Spirit will tell you if I'm lying to you or I'm telling you the truth. Or I'll introduce you. You got a right to go to her station and say, Stacy, he's with so and so and so and so. Do you know who that is? <laughs> she said, No, I don't know who that is. Then I got to deal with the consequences of my choice. You know, and then I, hold up, then I'll say, I'm a working problem. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm, hey, 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 hey. I'm getting there. I'm a work in progress. Or I might say to you, I'm a work in progress. Leave me alone. You know, but I'm just saying, what I'm saying is, what, I, what I'm trying to point out to us, I'm trying to, and Paul will deal with this right now. Matter of fact, I'm glad. Go to uh, 7 and 12. Let's get started. Well, Pastor, before you go this, there's another statement that people have said. What's that? Uh, don't call it to my head. Don't call it yeah. to my head. Call it to my heart. Yeah. There's no separation. Yeah, that's just something that we say. See, I think a lot of things that we say in American language is just stuff we say. And like, like Mother said, it really don't mean nothing per se. But the Bible says we're going to be judged on every idle word. The Bible tells us, let our yes be yes and our no be no. What it means is we need to get out of the culture of just saying stuff and understand words have power. 
And we confuse people by the words we say and then the acts that we do. They don't line up. Okay? Let's go to 7 and 12. Let's see. Paul going to deal with this. Let's see what Paul say. I'm glad we talked about this. See what Paul say. 7 and 12. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Mm -hmm. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me mm -hmm. through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. So the point for the law, which is holy, and the commandment, which is what? Holy. Holy. Righteous. Okay. And righteous. All right. Was it because it produced death in him? Was it sinful? No. What it did was point out that sin existed. It held, it held up like a mirror to me, and I couldn't see beyond it because I had to deal with it. And when I, when I hold up that mirror, that mirror of my heart is deceitfully and desperately wicked, who can know it? Then it pointed out to me how sinful sin is. So the law's purpose was never to save. It was to enlighten. The Bible is good for enlightenment, learning. All scriptures given by God, okay? Breathed out by God for correction. See, that's the, that's the issue. We don't like to be corrected. We hate correction. In America, we hate it because we want to do what we want to do, okay? So now we got this law that brings about a death, but the death that it brings about is through its holiness. And it points out how sinful I am. This is Paul talking, okay? Go ahead. Well, we know that the law is spiritual, mm -hmm. but I am of the flesh. Stop. Do you know that the law is spiritual and you are the flesh? Do you really believe that? Y'all took a long time to say, yeah, okay, never mind. <laughs> the Bible said you are. Yeah. Okay? You don't get to escape. Just because Paul telling his story, he's telling the story, but it's good for you too. Okay? The, the word of God is spiritual, but you are carnal. Go ahead. Sold under sin. Sold under sin. That's easy. You born in sin and shaped in iniquity. That's what the Bible say. Go ahead. For I do not understand my own actions. I don't understand. Oh, now I'm confused. I don't understand my own actions. This is the, this is what we were talking about earlier. Y'all, we all confused. Okay, go ahead. I don't understand my own actions. Why what? For I do not do what I want. Oh, I don't do what I want, but... But I do the very thing I hate. I do the very thing I hate, which means I can sit there and say that, hey, God knows my heart and it continue to sin all in the same breath because I want to do good, but I don't have the capacity to do good because I don't understand myself. You haven't surrendered to the process. You haven't bought into the process. We still playing hopscotch with God. And then what I'm saying to this, and I said, did I say we or did I say you? I said we. we. We, me to me, I still yeah. with God. But hopefully, as I do this, my steps become straight and I stand upright and I start walking with God. That's the process. But Paul is explaining as you go through the process, there's always some stumbling, there's always some falling, there's always some missteps because you are still flesh. There are things that you do based upon how hot it is. There are things that you do based upon how cold it is. When you get your glorified body, you won't feel heat or cold. Amen. Okay? And I'm not, we didn't talk about evil things. I'm saying just 
Things outside of us govern our behaviors. So that's being in the flesh. It being cold ain't got nothing to do with your spirit, does it? It being 100 degrees outside of St. Louis has nothing to do with your spirit, does it? It only affects your flesh. And with it being 100 degrees outside in St. Louis in August, and you get in your car and sit on that, that leather seat, and that seat feel like a frying pan, you might cuss. <laughs> you might say something that you not, don't need to say. But you, this is the, okay. You don't use that passage of confusion to continue to sin. He's giving you a, a state that we all are in that you should recognize God's grace. That even though I'm like this, God still graces me. Okay? So, see, this is what I'm saying. You got to go beyond what it said. Why is he saying this? He wants to show you this beautiful God who still loves you. And no matter what happens, as long as you're hidden in Christ Jesus, you're going to make it to the end. We just don't know when the end is coming. So that's why we want people to come into Christ. Because we want them to experience this thing of confusion. Okay? Why do I do the things that I don't want to do? Let's see. Read. Now, if I do what I do not want, mm -hmm. I agree with the law that it is good. So when I don't do what I want, when I bring myself under subjection, when I stop myself from doing wrong, I agree with the law that it is good, but... So now it is no longer I who do it, uh -huh. but sin that dwells within me. So now we have the duality of man. We, and, that, and this is so, so huge. So spiritual. He's saying, it's no longer I. What do you mean it's no longer I? Aren't I the one who said it? But what he's saying is, God is not looking at it as me. He's looking at it as the remnant was left of me. He, and that's where you see the grace. What he's doing is, uh, is, is, listen to this. What he's doing is giving you and looking at you as a finished product of salvation. And he's giving that to you now. Amen. Even though you ain't there yet. He's, a, he's looking through the ends of you being complete. Through Christ. So he says, it's no longer me because Christ lives in me. He's looking at his son who lives in me and not me or the old man. And he's not going to contribute me to being the old man. Only in my choices do I go back, but he never, ever lets go of me. That's the grace of God. That's the beautifulness of this, this passage because what he's saying is, it's still there. And you haven't learned how to put some of it to death yet. But guess what? I'm going to give you another shot at this. Don't use the shot to sin. Use the shot to turn. Use your time left to turn from the things of the world to turn to God. That's all he's asking. Do it my way and see what happens. Try me. Ain't that what he said? Let's see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So he's looking at you as a complete project. And you ain't even done yet. And you think there's a, some amount of falling that you could do to fall out of grace of God. And we're going to get to that too going along. Go ahead. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. Uh -huh. That is in my flesh. In your flesh there's nothing good that dwells in it. Go ahead. For I have not. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Oh! So that should have handled some of y'all statements. You have the desire, but you ain't got the ability. Nobody's room has the ability. And when God said what's right, he means what's what? When he says what's right, when we say what's right, we mean subjective right, meaning 
meaning to our level of thinking. But when God says to do what's right, what does he mean? To do what's righteous. Righteous, another word. Holy. What's holy. You don't have the, you want to do holy things, but you don't have the ability to carry it out. You and yourself, which are under your own power, have no ability to do what's holy. All right, go ahead. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Oh, this is great. Paul saying, I've discovered that even at my holiest moment of wanting to do what's right, I, don't have, I, I, I don't have the ability to do it. And sometimes what I end up doing is what I know is wrong. Now, let me ask you something. This is Paul who went to heaven, knocked off the horse by Jesus, all that. If he got a problem, how much problem should you got? You should have even more. I mean, this is Paul being honest. Like, when I try to do good, evil is always present. When I try to do good, I know that I know to do this. But I don't have the ability. And none of us, Paul said, I don't have it. So then you keep playing that you got it. Well, you know, God knows my heart and I, you know, I, 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 I'm telling you that only way that you do good was holy is surrendering to God. That stuff you think is is is, is relevant, meaning that. I do this and I do that and I do good works. It's relevant to who you're talking to because I can, I can explain to you like this. If I give a person who's never drank any water, who's thirsty, a, 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 a half a cup of water, they're happy. But I give one who's drinking water all their life a half a cup of water, what they wonder? Where the other half? Right. Well, what's the difference? Both of them are thirsty. One is used to having water, one is used to not. One is appreciative and one wants more. Mm. And see, what we have to do is get back to the point of being hungry again for God. And wanting thirst, they want to be more of God. Not this super stuff, this superficial stuff. Not this little superficial stuff. I'm talking about the deep hunger for the things of God. So this is Paul talking. Go ahead, read. Now, if I do what I do not want, uh-huh. it is no longer I who do it. See, he said it's no longer the flesh that does. It's no longer I who I am that does it. But what? But sin that dwells within me. But now it's the sin that dwells in him. But is he responsible for making a choice to continue in sin? Yes. yes, he is. He doesn't escape that. He's making a note. He's making a godly observation on how God deals with us. Okay, God is saying, "It's not I. It's not the. It's not who you becoming that I'm looking at. It's who you used to be that you keep going back to. Okay, you're not acting like a new creature. Okay, you need a whooping. You need to be aligned again. All right, go ahead." So I find it to be a law that mm-hmm. when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Mm-hmm. Lurching, lurking, go ahead. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, mm-hmm. but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. So where is the law raging at? My mind. In your mind. That's what the law is. It's that you got the two things going on. You got the law of the flesh and the law of the Holy Spirit, and it's raging war inside your mind. And the more you continue to feed the law of the flesh, the more you would make the decision for the flesh. But the minute that you start saying, you know, ooh, ooh, radar, 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 this is what I tell Christians. As you mature, it should become first nature, but until you mature, when you're about to do something, check it twice. Check it twice. Do a quick check. Hmm. I'm sitting here. 
I'm sitting here doing this. I'm sitting here gossiping. Radar, let me stop. And let me move on. You ain't got to stop the conversation, but you can stop feeding into it. And therefore, when that person realizes you done stop, they're going to stop too because ain't no fun gossiping alone. Do you see what I'm saying? Just little stuff like that that we go through as people dealing with each other. You know, uh, like I was saying, telling him on Saturday, I personally didn't want to come, didn't feel like coming to the nurse home center. You know, I just didn't want to come. And I felt good. I was going to make an excuse. Call everybody, text everybody, tell everybody, hey, nurse home cancel, blah, blah, bam. I'm good. You're good. I'm there. You go. I'm good. <laughs> Whatever I was planning on doing, I could now go do it, right? <laughs> Even if it's just sitting there playing my dog, I have relinquished what I'm supposed to do to do what I want to do, and I could go to my favorite excuse and say, "What?" <laughs> and and God knows my heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could have said that. Charge it to my head and not to my heart. Okay. But I didn't go do what God told me to do, right? So then I had, I had, I had that, 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 that siren go off my head. You made an obligation to these people. You don't know who's going to get saved today. You don't know what's going to happen today. You might see a miracle today. You don't know what God got a plan for them people through my word. I made you a preacher. Why are you not going? That ain't no excuse. Get up and go. Yes, sir, Lord. And I'm guilty. This yes, sir, Lord. I'm guilty. Let me get up and go. Yes, sir, Lord. Let me, let me, hey, take my shower for singing, singing songs. Because I, I, because I understood sometimes my flesh kick in mm -hmm. and, it, it, and I'll make a decision for my flesh. And this is not inherently bad. Mm -hmm. This is not like evil, evil, evil. But I know it's not what God wants me to do. And a lot of times it's not that evil thing. It's that thing that you know to do good. Like he said, when I know to do good and I do what I want to do. And it's not necessarily, it becomes evil because you know it's not what God wants you to do. That's when it becomes evil. And not the, you know, it's not evil that you can't recover from. It's just a choice you made. And you got to deal with it. You know? And sometimes I really believe the Bible teaches strictly that sometimes some of the things God has for us is due to our obedience when we don't want to obey. And see, I'm always thinking of y'all. But what if I slack this time? Maybe I'll slack on a Tuesday. Maybe I'll slack on a Sunday. Hmm. We got good preachers. I got three that can really preach decent. Maybe, hmm, I can say I'm going on sabbatical, do one of them fake sabbaticals. You see, I, I mean, I've watched people progress like that. And all it started with that one decision not to go to the nursing home. And it led me into slacking in what I'm supposed to do. I've been there, so I know that. But doesn't that bring something to mind, too? Is God ever slack with us? You mean, like... God is never slack. Oh, yeah, never. Okay, I know what you mean by that. Yeah, never. never. Jesus said... I wish this cup to be taken from me, but not my will, but let thy will be done. And he was facing death. I ain't facing death. I'm just being lazy. And trifling. 
Same thing. Yeah, I was, if I if I if I neglected the nursing home, I was being lazy and trifling. There's no good reason, other than the fact I didn't want to go. But when you're in Christ Jesus, it's not about you all the time. It's the people that you deal with. I didn't, I you know, I didn't necessarily want to go to that funeral yesterday, but I did, and people were blessed, not by me, but by God who uses me. And, and all I'm saying is. I'm just being honest with y'all. Who you have to learn? The Bible says you must learn to do good. Amen. So if you must learn to do good, it's a process. Amen. It's a process of choices and decisions we make, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm trying to deal with these men and saying, "Dude, you're the you are where you at in life because of some decisions you made. Mm-hmm. You can't keep blaming Mama and Papa who didn't feed you grits on last Sunday when you was ten, <laughs> and now you doing." You can't keep doing it. You can't be a 50-year-old man keep talking about what you didn't get as a child. You made some decisions that put you in this one-bedroom house by yourself and you don't own nothing. And you owe a million dollars in child support. And your grandkids got grandkids. That's a decision you made. That's true. I got, I got friends and associates that I, okay, where I, I'm at the age I'm at, right? So they had kids. They owe their mother still, mm-hmm. and now their kids got kids, mm-hmm. and they still owe the mother. Mm-hmm. And they, they go to the mother when they get arrested because they say the mother's putting them in jail. The mother ain't doing nothing. The mother was on welfare, and the state want their money mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. And they've got nothing to do with the mother. Mm-hmm. The mother like, I ain't getting nothing when you go to jail. They, they find you $5,000, and you can't let you out of jail. That money don't go to her. That money go back to the state that took care of your responsibility. It don't go to her. That go back to the state, okay? Because of the choices I made. I made a lot of bad choices. A lot. A lot. And where did it end me up? But to the glory of God. Okay? But I can't use that as the I can't use that as a pattern for everybody else. You see what I'm saying? I can't use my the description of what I went through and say, this other man, you need to go to penitentiary too. To find God. Why would I say something stupid like that? Right. Yeah, the only way you're going to find God is to go wild with it. No, you're not. That ain't how it works. That's my experience. I ain't got nothing to do with you. I would invest that you do it. You Hold on. My choices got me there. God decided to use that for me. He may not use that for you. He may say, I done told you enough. I, I ain't going to send you and I ain't going to save you either. Because you don't want me. Whether you were in or out, you ain't going to never want me. Okay, read. Red, uh, Go, ahead. 24. Go ahead, 24. We're wretched, almost done. Wretched man that I am. Wretched man that I am. Not that I was. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Who will deliver me from this confusion, this misunderstanding, this thing where when I try to do good, evil is always present? Who will deliver me? Go ahead. A man. What's his name? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Everything that you possibly want is in Jesus. Amen. All your deliverance, all your breakthrough, all everything you want is in Jesus. And I'm trying to tell these men, Paul is saying, this is where it's at. You don't need to join a fraternity. You don't need to join, join another group. All these men are joining groups, chasing these other men, wearing their jerseys and trying to be like them. And my point is, why would you want to be like Kobe when I could be like Jesus? 
Why would I want to be like Kobe when God is conforming into his image? I want to wear a J jersey for Jesus. Amen. I don't want to wear no other man's jersey. And I was an athlete and I had my own. See, the thing about it is I had my own jersey that people used to wear. But the thing about it is, what, did, what, did, what does that mean? In St. Louis, we are so backwards. Because I done traveled all over. We are the only place I know in the country where it's more important when you went to high school than you went to college. You got status when you went to high school. And you could be a bum. But as you graduated from Sumner, you city, no places, you got some status. But you was a bum from 18 to 50. And still above at 60. And you don't know Jesus. People come up, you know, you see the class 82, yeah, okay, and what? Why? I I can't even remember half y'all names now. You know, yeah, you know me, but I don't know you. Who who you who, who are you? But I mean, what does it, what, what what value is it into? See, this is what I'm saying. We get so excited about where we went to high school, but we don't. I don't see the same excitement about somebody getting saved. And let's be honest, we don't. It ain't, it ain't, and again, I want to say, this is not inherently evil. Let's not make normal evil. We just do this stuff because we people. And our values are messed up. I wish that what we give in Colby, we would give, everybody would give to Jesus. Amen. Just one day. Amen. One day, the enthusiasm that they give it to Colby's death, give it to those who Amen. don't know Jesus. Amen. One day, and you'll see the world come to Christ. Amen. But it's hard. Because the world don't want us to know about Jesus. They want you to focus on Kobe. They want you to focus on impeachment hearing. They want you to focus on whatever you, hey, whatever you want to focus on that's not Jesus, they want you to focus on it. And they got plenty. They want you to focus on the internet. They want to focus on the banks. They want you to focus on the welfare system. They want you to focus on the homeless, the child, all the things. But the thing about it is, all of our answers are in Jesus Christ. Amen. In the process of being sanctified. Okay, read so then I myself serve the law of God with my mind mm -hmm. but with my flesh I serve the law of sin there's still a problem going on with us go ahead chapter 8 chapter 8 I want to read that first part chapter 8 okay. go ahead there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus stop there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus so what does that tell you no matter what's going on in chapter 7, Jesus has declared, God has declared, you ain't condemned. Amen. You may be confused. You may misunderstand. You may make some bad decisions. But you are not condemned because you are in Christ Jesus. Now we're going on to glorification. We're changing gears. We started with, we started with salvation. We started with now we was in sanctification. And now we're moving on to glorification because there is no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. Read, what, read this next verse. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So the law that governs your members, the law of liberty has set you free because you're in Christ Jesus. The end result is you're dead to sin and alive in the spirit and it's all in Christ Jesus. 
and the glory that we're going to experience is because we participated actively in our sanctification process and now we're ready to go into glory. And the sanctification process goes on between the day you were saved to the day you died. No matter how long or how short it is. Janelle got baptized and saved a year and some ago. And we would say her sanctification process wasn't that long. But guess what it was to God? Enough. Amen. Amen. Enough. Amen. Well, you say, Pastor, where you get that from? The thief on the cross. Mm-hmm. The right. Bible says he didn't get a chance to do nothing good or evil. Nope. But he did the best thing he could do. Came to Jesus. Came to Jesus. Hallelujah. And that's all you got to do. So, that, so with that, we should have patience with one another, shouldn't we? And all our friends and family members that don't see the light yet, you just keep telling them about the light. Joyce, you keep talking to your daughter. Don't never turn her away. Just keep talking to her. Tell her, tell her, tell her kindly, say, my pastor didn't see what you saw, and I didn't either. Okay. And don't make no big deal about it. Because maybe one day she'll come. Maybe one day she'll sit. Maybe one day she'll listen. Faith come by hearing. Hearing come by the word of God. How can the people hear unless a preacher be sent? So what we have to do is keep telling them the gospel and praying for people. Because our prayers are the most powerful thing, one of the most powerful things that God gave us. That we can change people's hearts and minds through prayer, fervent prayer. Because the Bible says the prayers of the righteous availeth much. Fervent prayer, that, that, that continual prayer that we have for one to another will avail much. So I want to encourage you as we leave each other today, read your books. This is Pastor Jay with Walk of Truth Radio Podcast, and I want to invite all those within the St. Louis metropolitan area and around the world to come worship with us every Sunday at 8 a.m. at the Universal Church of Jesus Christ Building, located at 2301 Wallace Avenue, Overland, Missouri, 63114. We also have our Rescue Addiction Recovery Program on Mondays from 7 p.m. until 8 p.m. Our Bible studies are held every Tuesday at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. You can also catch us, follow us, and subscribe to us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Please come out and join us, follow us, follow our podcast. But most of all, get saved, sanctified, and full of the Holy Ghost. And always remember, walk in truth. And if you'd like to contact me by email, you can do so by going to walkintruthministries at yahoo.com or w-i-t-m-i-n at yahoo.com. Thank you and bless you. And we look forward to worshiping and fellowshipping with you. Peace.